I'm Nicola Dean and this is Safeguarding Matters with the Ancraft Trust. Hello, I'm here today talking to the Safeguarding Disabled Children and Young Persons Manager, Sarah Goff. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Nicola. And I think everybody would be really interested to hear about the work that you're doing about safeguarding disabled children and young people. But can you tell us a bit about yourself first um, and your background? What sort of profession did you come from? Okay, thanks. Uh, so I came um, first as a residential social worker working with children who were living away from home, children placed away from home who'd had a difficult time as teenagers and went on from there to train as a social worker and I've worked in child protection for about 30 years now. And um, part of that work involved working at Childline and it, it really highlights for you how important children's voices children's views, children's experiences and it also highlighted for me just what a challenge it is sometimes for children in a world that's controlled and dominated by adults, how hard it is for them to feel like they've got a say and that they're heard. So why were you interested in working for Ancraft Trust? Um, how long have you been here? I've been here seven years now um, which has totally flown by. Um, I think the work that the Ancraft Trust does in trying to understand how we, um, all of us, can listen to what disabled people, children, young people, adults need to be safe and to have the same rights and opportunities, the work that the Ancraft does, Trust does in promoting that is really important. Um, so I wanted to come and work here because I thought that the, uh, the, the needs for protection but also to, to have a voice of disabled children was, was a really important area to grow practice. There's an awful lot of brilliant practitioners out there beavering away, trying to do a very good job. But um, we don't always have the resources. Good practice is patchy, resources are patchy. And we know that um, disabled children face three or four times greater risks of harm and abuse compared to the non-disabled population of children. So for me, it felt like a group that are really important. Brilliant. You talk a lot about um, voices, don't you? And about listening to people. Um, why is that so important for disabled children? And it's interesting as well, isn't it, even the word voice? Because for a lot of the young people we work for, um, Voice is not the primary means of, of sharing information about their views. It might be a facial expression, it might be body language, it might be a movement or a gesture. Um, but we still sometimes hear people telling us that kids can't tell us, that they can't communicate. I think a huge part of the work we do is trying to shift thinking to the professionals and parents and carers to see this young person growing up as having... Um, the need to have the same opportunities in life as all other kids, to make friends, to explore, to take risks, to climb little mountains, to to, to do the things that help us grow confidence and, and feel strong. And yet, our kids don't always get those same opportunities. Sometimes they're overprotected, sometimes they're spoken for, spoken over, spoken about. And maybe in the busyness of life, you know, we're also busy rushing to get jobs done and box ticks boxes ticked and computer screens completed but our kids need us to give longer and to start from how they communicate so it's us that need to learn to communicate kids do communicate we need to learn to understand their communication that's a, a really big area 
So can you tell us about some of the projects that you're working on at the moment, Sarah? Yeah, um, so we're, we're working very hard to develop the training in safeguarding that looks at why additional risks are faced by disabled ch- children and young people, training that looks at transitions and the collaboration between children's and adult services so that we can try and get those processes working better. We're developing training and we deliver all the time uh, work with professionals to help them understand risks and think about practice. How can we be sharper and better at um, providing really good care that grows resilient children with a voice, but that at the same time is robust in tackling the the harm that they might face. Um, So there's lots of work going on on the training programme. We also have a number of projects um, where we're developing practice and we've done a significant piece of work on learning disability and children who face risks of exploitation being drawn into harmful um, harmful situations and relationships that exploit them. We've done quite a lot of work around domestic violence and learning disability and physical disability. Recently we've been funded by the Lloyds Bank Foundation to look specifically at the 16 to 25 year olds experience of domestic abuse and and that's been really interesting we've spoken to incredible practitioners across the country some of whom trying against all the odds with very little training help or support to to make their services reach out to disabled young people we're very aware that a lot of domestic abuse services um, really struggle for the resources to reach the whole community and those are big issues for us to tackle. I think um, we've also been doing a piece of work looking um, at the voice of disabled children placed away from home in residential settings and that was a piece of work funded by the European Union which looked particularly at how children let us know, how can they tell us if things are not okay. Um, so yeah, lots of lots and lots of interesting projects. Um, and the other key thing is that I chair the National Working Group on Safeguarding Disabled Children. That's a group that's not funded, but it exists across the country for uh, organisations that are looking to grow practice and challenge and develop and help us to think through better ways of working. Fantastic, some great work there. Um, thinking back over your time with ACT, is there any highlights where you think, wow, that was amazing that we've done that? I think any training you deliver and you watch people getting the chance, people perhaps they're not well paid, perhaps they have quite difficult jobs, they work with children with really complex needs and you're you're training with those people and you watch them sharing their learning and sharing their experiences and realising that their practice, their learning actually really matters and that they're learning from each other. I think our training really tries to turn those lights on and work in a quite an empowering way with people. So it's always a real privilege delivering that kind of training Um, and, and always a good experience. I think another big success for us has been obviously hosting a launch at at Westminster at uh, Portcullis House earlier this year for the findings from the Lloyds Project, at which um, Sarah Champion and Jess Phillips uh, spoke and hosted us to uh, introduce the findings about disabled people and their experiences of domestic violence. We had people from Deaf Hope um, signing 
the learning that they've had working with deaf, disabled children, young, young people facing domestic abuse. We had uh, speakers from a number of organisations like the Survivors Trust and from NIDAS, the Independent Domestic Abuse Service, who talked about incredible steps forward in practice that they've made. We had people from the only Learning Disabled Refuge for Women, Beverly Lewis House, who talked about some of the needs of the women that they work with for much, much greater understanding. Doing that project, I think, has been a, a, a great learning curve for us. Yeah, really important piece of work, wasn't it? And I think it's probably the start of the project. You've had the money for this, but you'll hopefully go on and um, offer some training and some resources for workers as well, I think, to go with it. Absolutely. And 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 that's that's the important thing about practice research, isn't it? We find out a bit more about what the problem is. We try and generate ideas um, we ask people about things that work and then we use that learning um, to develop training courses and materials that then can be shared and grown. And I think a really important issue for us is that we try to bring together the world of children and adult social care with domestic abuse organisations so that they can get to know each other better have more confidence and develop relationships both locally, regionally, and, and for that to be given some leadership because disabled young people experiencing domestic abuse can be extremely isolated. Mm. So you've already started to say about it, really. What are some of the challenges um, that we face around safeguarding and disabled children and young people? It's interesting, isn't it? This year, uh, the Office of the Children's Commission um, have really highlighted in far less than they deserve, which we were involved in, a key report from the Office of the Children's Commission highlighting um, restrictive practices, highlighting concerns about children placed away in secure settings. The um, Challenging Behaviour Foundation have highlighted restrictive practice and the use of, of restraint. And a big, big challenge for us, I think, at the Ancraft Trust is getting out messages about behaviour, from children communicates feelings, harm, distress. How do we practice in a way that allows children's communication to be understood and their behaviour to be understood as they grow up and try to avoid getting into cycles that are harmful? So there's a big challenge there. There's another massive challenge highlighted um, in terms of the resources that families get. The cuts have hit terribly hard and the vast majority of disabled children are not open to social workers. They don't fit the criteria. They're not uh, open to many services. Families are often struggling for too long, too late, without early help, with the result that Things get bad and serious and then there are crises when children move into teenage years and adulthood. The third big challenge for us, I think, is to change the culture around sex and relationships education for disabled young people. They have the same rights. They want to have friends and relationships and fun and do good things. And we really need to use the new SRE guidance and really grow our understanding, awareness and practice confidence of parents and carers to have the conversations about these difficult sticky issues with kids and make sure kids know that that it's really important for them to have happy 
positive relationships. And equally, we need to do more to protect them when they're at risk. Um, Where would we find the, what are the SRE guidance and where would we find it? There's new uh, sex and relationships uh, education guidance Ah, from the Department for Education, which will be on the DfE website. Um, The key issue is how do we grow that practice in special schools and disability settings and for young people who are in mainstream school but have learning needs that mean that just the one-off or two-off lessons isn't going to be enough. They need messages that are really supportive about safe and unsafe friendships and relationships throughout their lives. I think that's a really big challenge and uh, it's an area that we do a lot of work on. It's been so interesting hearing about the work that you've been doing, Sarah. You're so passionate about the topic. I'm just wondering if there's any practice guidance for people working with disabled children and young people. That's a really good question. It's a very topical one. Thank you. I mean, obviously, the the Working Together to Safeguard Children guidance for England covers um, good practice for all children and sets out statutory duties in line with the, the, the Children Acts and so on. But... There is a piece of guidance from 2009 from Department of what was then the Children's Schools and Families. The problem with that guidance is that although it still contains thematically some great stuff, it's very out of date in terms of changes in the law. We're much more aware these days of children's rights, voice, choice, mental capacity, Equalities Act, and all kinds of developments about good practice and and so on. So we've been campaigning uh, through the National Working Group. I mentioned earlier that I co-chair that with David Miller from the NSPCC. But that group um, is campaigning to get an update version because practice and practitioners need and like to have guidance that brings together some of the best practice, some of the stuff about policy and law, and also children's views about what matters to them, families' views. We really need an update of that uh, practice guidance at the moment. And uh, so the, the, the short answer to that question is no, there isn't an up-to-date one at the moment. However, at the Ancraft Trust, I think we've done a huge amount of work on what good practice does look like. And we're really happy to work with any organisations that want to ring up and discuss, do some consultation, do some work on on developing training, do some work on understanding good practice points and we'd really welcome people getting in touch. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you want to know more about our work, check out our website, ancrafttrust.org and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Ancraft Trust.